If we want to see a unified country, if we want to see a unified society, if we want to see our schools unified, it must start right here in the church. It must. Unity amongst believers is required for the mission of Jesus to be achieved. And unity will not be achieved if we pursue our own agendas, just as we saw. If we pursue our own agendas and our own motives, unity will be a lot harder to achieve. It must start in the church. Welcome to the PC Youth Podcast. This is week four in our series in the book of Philippians. And this week we are looking at the importance of unity. Unity must start in the church if we want to see it in culture. Grab your Bibles, turn to Philippians 2 and get something to write with as we hear this week's message. Thank you for bringing the word. Tonight we're going to talk about unity. Unity is important. I don't think any of us in the room tonight would question me and say, actually, no, unity is not important. I don't think unity is a good idea. It's actually bad. I don't think any of you would say that. If you, if you think unity is a bad thing, raise your hand, and we can have that discussion right now. Hey, Nafi, let's talk about it. I'm just playing. He raised his hand, though, and I do actually think I know he likes unity. Unity is a positive thing. Like I said, none of us will, will disagree and say, actually, unity is bad. I think unity is a positive thing. If you think it's bad, let's talk about it later. But how many of you would like to see unity in our country? I would love to see that. How many of you would like to see it in your school, in your home even? Unity is something that we have to strive for. And I think in culture today, we don't see much of it. We don't see um, a country that's united, even though it's called the United States. There's a lot of division, which, which breaks my heart. Achieving unity is a goal for all of us. We would all say that the best version of ourselves, the best version of Spencer, I would say that unity is my goal and I would strive and desire for every single day. As Christians and as the church specifically, unity should be what our hearts long for. We should desire that peace of youth is the most united place in Salem. That should be our desire. We, our desire should be that the church is the most united place to be in Salem, Oregon. We know the mission of Jesus How do we carry out that mission together? We must stand strong together, unite even amongst differences and tension. So practically, what does unity look like in our lives? How is it achieved? We're going to discover that tonight together. Dear Jesus, thank you for this evening. God, thank you for all of the things that are taking place on this campus this week. For Vacation Bible School, God, I pray for a special blessing over the remainder two days of that camp. God, I pray that young students, first through fifth grade, will experience true, real relationship with you this week. I pray for real salvation for students to say yes to Jesus for the first time. God, I thank you for all of the students here that are serving in that area and that capacity and making a difference for the kingdom. God, give them favor for that. God, I pray a special blessing over tonight. I pray that your word would speak through it. Uh, speak to us in a very real way, that it would land on good soil, that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. God, I pray that the word would come alive in a very real way, and we would all walk away forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, over the past few weeks, we heard of, we, you've heard a collection of messages studying the book, book of Philippians. Pastor Kira just uh, wrapped up chapter one. So tonight, we are going to dive in to chapter two. We're going to look at Paul's teaching. Um, and per, his teaching and um, pursuit of unity that he instructs the Philippian people to pursue. And let me just say this. What a better time than right now to agree that unity is needed. 
in the middle of political dysfunction, in the middle of tragedy in our world, in the middle of sickness, in the middle of racial tension, in the middle of all of it, in the middle of an economic crisis, unity is needed right now. So what a better time for us to dive into what Paul has to say about this very, very important thing. So especially in the church, we must unite and pursue the same mission, the mission of Jesus. The Bible is going to help us tonight, and it's going to help us. The Bible and small groups actually are going to help us tonight. I'm excited for what God's going to speak. Open with me to Philippians chapter 2. So we, like I said, we're in Philippians chapter 1. Open with me quickly to Philippians chapter 2. Throughout this whole book, Paul is writing to a group of people that, have, that he loves dearly. We've said it already a few times, but Paul loves the Philippian church. He loves the Philippian people. He was a big fan of them. They were joy-filled and faithful to the Lord. But it's important for us to remember, as much as Paul brags on these people and and shows adoration for them, they were still human. Even in the the time when the first church in Europe was built and created, these people, the Philippians, were still human people. And they walked through and, and struggled with the same things that you and I struggle today. So even though Paul was very pleased with the work of these people, he still put a lot of stress on the importance of unity among the Philippians. If it was important for them then, it's important for us now. If it was important for the Philippian people, if it was important for Paul to to stress this, it's still important for us now because the God's word is alive and it's living and it's active and it's going to speak to us tonight in a very real way. So go with me to chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says this, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy. Oh, I went to verse 2. I was not supposed to go to verse 2. I'm going to read verse 1 again. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? One question. Any comfort from his love? Another. Any fellowship together in the spirit? That's the third question he asks. And he says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? That's the fourth question he asks in verse 1. The very first verse of this chapter, Paul asks four rhetorical questions. If you listen to those questions very carefully, you would think to yourself, yes, 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 to all of those questions. Of course, Christ brings encouragement to our lives. Of course, we are comforted in his love. Of course, the Holy Spirit brings us fellowship. And of course, Christ makes our hearts tender and compassionate. So you might hear that and say, Spencer, this, the Philippian people were strong in their faith. They knew who Jesus was. Why was he asking them, them things that they already knew were true? I believe by asking these questions, Paul reminds the Philippian people of all that Christ has done for them and how important that is. He reminds them that that Christ is an encourager, that he is a comforter, that the Holy Spirit brings fellowship, that, uh, that Christ makes our hearts tender and compassionate. So let us, just as Paul reminded the Philippians in this passage, let us tonight be reminded of all that Christ is for us. Jesus Christ is our encourager. He is uplifting. He is comforting in the, middle of, in the middle of trial. He is loving. He's never changing. He's for us, never against us. What a good reminder we have in the very first verse of this chapter. Go with me to verse 2. He says, then after asking these questions, he says, obviously expecting a yes answer from them, he says, then make me truly happy by agreeing, agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. I'm going to read that again because it's very important. Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Agree wholeheartedly, love one another, and work together with one mind and one purpose. Those are very simple but powerful instructions from Paul that they received the Philippian church and the Philippians and we received tonight. 
agree, love, and work together, one mind and one purpose. When Paul refers to working together with one purpose, he's actually referring to the mission of Jesus. Work together to pursue and to fulfill the mission of Jesus. And let me remind you tonight, at the end of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, this is right after Jesus has resurrected from the dead and he's facing his disciples and he tells them this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Jesus commanded and instructed the disciples of this mission, and now to us the mission is very clear. We must work together to fulfill and to complete this mission. If that's our goal, it's only possible if we do it together. So when Paul's referring to work together with one mind and one purpose, he's talking about fulfilling the great commission that Jesus has given us. Unity is required. Without a united body of believers, the fulfillment of the great commission will be much more difficult. Without a united body, without a united youth group, fulfilling what Jesus has instructed us will be much more difficult than it would have been otherwise. If, if all of us tonight are, are pursuing our own agenda, pursuing our own gain, I just stepped on a really slippery and wet tortilla. If all of us are, are seeking our own desires and being selfish, instead of uniting together to pursue the Great Commission, it's going to be a lot harder to fulfill it. Would you agree tonight? Read verse 3 and 4 with me. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of, your, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. I've read each of the few verses twice, so I'm going to read this one again. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And I know none of you act that way ever, so I probably don't even need to talk anymore. But just for the sake, I, I think I've acted that way a few times, so I'm going to talk to myself a little bit. I know you, you guys are perfect, so don't tune me out if you've never been selfish, if you're always humble, all those things. But how many times have you heard that, that instruction? I've heard it from my parents. I'm sure you've heard it from your parents many, many times. Think of others before yourself. Be humble. Uh, don't be selfish. All the things. How many times have you heard it? A lot. I've heard that all my life, and no matter if it's been from your parents, if you've heard it in school, I'm sure those things have been instructed and, and taught to you from a very early age. But what, what strikes me and what, what struck me when I read this passage is all of us have heard that instruction, maybe not from this passage, but to some degree in our, in our walks in life. I would maybe say even all, a lot of culture has heard this before, treat others better than yourself, the golden rule, all of that. A lot of culture has heard that. But how opposite does that passage sound from the culture that we see today? That's what really struck me because Paul gives us these clear instructions and what we read, doesn't, it doesn't line up with what we're seeing in culture. It doesn't at all line up with, with what we see in our schools, what we see on the streets, what we see on the news. It doesn't line up at all. And if we've all heard that from a very young age, if we, if we make that assumption, what happened? What, what, what's missed? Have we, have we become selfish without realizing it? Have we become prideful without realizing it? Are we pursuing our own agendas instead of having the interest of others? What, what do we miss here? Just ponder that a little bit tonight. How many selfish, prideful, and self-seeking people do you enjoy actually being around? I don't have very many. That is one of my least favorite things, and I've been that way many, many times. It's not fun being around those type of people, let alone work with them, let alone try to pursue a goal with them, let alone try to fulfill the great commission with those people. 
It's, it's more difficult. It's not natural. It's not life-giving. So go with me to verse 5, and I think this is probably the most powerful verse that we're going to read tonight. Paul says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That sums it all up. Jesus was never selfish. Jesus was never prideful. He was always humble, always giving glory back to his heavenly Father. Jesus never thought about himself before other people. He always was putting others first. Paul says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude as Jesus. Jesus made you to be you and me to be me, and we must follow him. If the Great Commission is to be fulfilled, you must be you, I must be me. I, I can't be anyone other than myself. I can't be anyone other than who Jesus created me to, me, me to be. We need to be ourselves and pursue the Great Commission together. Because the world is going to throw at you a lot of different temptations and different things that you could pursue yourself. But it's only going to benefit you for a little bit. Eventually you're going to fall and it's not edifying anybody else. It's not uplifting the body. It's not uniting the body of Christ. It might, it might, the temptation would be that it might build you up for a little bit. The pride inside of you will say, oh, I can do this, and it's going to make me better. It's going to make me more popular. It's going to make me stronger, whatever it is. And it's going to build you up for a little bit, but eventually sin creeps in, and you're going to fall. Jesus was never selfish. He was never self-seeking. Jesus made you to be you, me to be me, and we must follow him. Model your life, your attitude, and your actions after him and nothing else. Don't model yourself after the person that you look up to. Don't model yourself after the influencer that you, you follow on a regular basis. Don't model yourself after the person in your school that you wish you were. Model yourself after Jesus and be who he made you to be. Be who he, he be. That's a really big tongue twister, by the way. Be he, who he made you to be. I have trouble with words sometimes. Okay, I need six volunteers, three girls and three guys. Mark and Tucker. Asher, come on, and I need three girls. Elsie, two more. Emma, one more. Okay, Abby, come on. I, I need you to hang in here because this was a really good idea in my head, and I have no idea how it's going to pan out in real life. So hang in with me. Are you guys ready for this? Okay. We are going to build a human pyramid. Six people, human pyramid. Should we do it on the stage? Is there more room? Everybody go on the platform. There's more room for that there. There's six of you, right? Okay, the guys, because I'm not even going to say that because some girls will get mad. I was going to say because the guys are stronger, but maybe Emma's stronger than Tucker. I don't know. The guys are going to be the base, okay? The guys are going to be the base, and the girls are going to be the foundation leading up to the top. And I really hope this works because if it does, it's going to be a really good illustration. Are you guys ready for this? So you're going to do it two times. The first time, I need to read this so I get it right. Elsie, you're going to act really selfish, and you're going to do it the only way you want to do it, okay? Asher, the ne this time you're going to try to impress others while doing it, okay? Mark, you're going to be really prideful when you build this pyramid, okay? <laughs> Tucker, Tucker, this time when you build a pyramid, you're only going to think about yourself, and you're going to think that you're way better than anyone else, okay? <laughs> Emma, you're only looking out for your own interests, and Abby, you don't take interest in any others, only in yourself, okay? So you guys are going to build a pyramid. However that lands in your head, you're selfish all the way down the line. Build a pyramid right now. Exactly. Figure it out. Build a human pyramid with that, with that characteristic that I just gave you. Well, what, what did it be? Three on the bottom, 
two, one. Yep. Okay. Build a pyramid. Do you guys want to see him try to build this? Okay. Build it. Mark, you're the middle. Get on your knees. You're the middle. Yeah. Mark, what is your characteristic again? Yeah, you're really prideful. Tucker, you're way better than anyone else, okay? Try your pyramid. Girls, now get on, now figure it out. Elsie, what are you going to try to do? You're really selfish. Are you even going to be part of the pyramid process? You're just going to stand by yourself because you have better ideas? All right. So you're going to have, you only have five people to build your pyramid now. Is that going to work well? No, you want six. Three, two, one. Does this look like it's working? This is not working. I took characteristics straight out of that passage, and they're trying to build a human pyramid as if they were what Paul told us not to be, and it's not working. Now, second try, I hope this works because it's going to be a good illustration. Second try, build the pyramid if you were acting as much like Jesus as you could. Really loving, really caring, selfless, not prideful. Work as a team, unite together, and build a human pyramid. Do you think you guys can do it? I think you can do it. I think you can do it. I really think. So you're uniting. You're following what Paul told us to do. Don't be selfish. Don't be prideful. Be humble. Work together. Build a human pyramid. I think you can do it. Guys, if you were smart, you would lock arms maybe. I don't know. Get closer. Okay. Girls, I think Abby should be the top. It doesn't have to be weird. Just build a human pyramid. It's going to be all right. You guys got it. Okay? Elsie, get right next to Emma. Good job, Asher. And then here, Abby, I'm going to get you a chair to get on the top, all right? Yes, look at this teamwork. They are uniting. Here, Abby. Look at this. Come on, Abby, finish it off. There's a stool. Come on, cheer them on. Okay, I think they did it. They, that counts. They did it. They got farther than they were before. Thank you guys very much. Give your vol- the volunteers a very good hand clap. Thank you. Do you understand the point? You don't. Who doesn't? I'll try it again. You can do it next. Maybe they didn't get all the way to the top. It was a work in progress. But did you see the difference? Did you notice the difference? There was much more teamwork involved. There was a lot of care for others. You notice how Elsie was trying to be really careful not to hurt the person she was getting on. There was care. There was compassion. There was love for who they were working with. They had a goal in mind. And they were doing their very best to achieve it together, to be unified. Did you see the difference? Unity is required to build a human pyramid. We just proved that point. Unity is absolutely required to build a human pyramid. Unity is required to fulfill the Great Commission as well. I hope you understand that tonight. I don't know how to make it any clearer than that. Unity is absolutely required to fulfill the mission of Jesus. Unity must start in the church if we want to see it in culture. It must start in the church. 
If we want to see a unified country, if we want to see a unified society, if we want to see our schools unified, it must start right here in the church. It must. Unity amongst believers is required for the mission of Jesus to be achieved. And unity will not be achieved if we pursue our own agendas, just as we saw. If we pursue our own agendas and our own motives, unity will be a lot harder to achieve. It must start in the church. It must start here. It must start in this youth group. If you want to see your school, that was a good voice crack. It really was. If you want to see your school changed, unity must start here. Because you're not going to do it by yourself. You're going to do it with the other 20 kids that go to the same school with you. If you want to see unity in this church, in this, in this city, you're not going to do it by yourself. You're going to do it with 40 other students going and loving on people in the streets. It must start here. We must unify as a body, as the church, as a youth group, if we want to see unity in culture today. We must. Worship team, will you join me up here? I'm going to try to go quick because we have small groups to get to. But many of you tonight are up for this challenge. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. A lot of you in this room are up for the challenge. You're up for the challenge of fulfilling the Great Commission. You're currently living out the teachings of Paul, what we just read. You're living it out. You've devoted your life to Jesus' mission, and as a result, you are experiencing true joy. You're experiencing breakthrough through suffering and hardship. You're, you're experiencing a love for others that you didn't think you could actually have because you assume that person doesn't deserve your love. But you're experiencing a love that comes from Christ for that person. When you've devoted your life to Jesus, you in here, are, you're experiencing fellowship with other believers. You're ex experiencing comforting presence of God. You are enjoying the mission of Jesus with other Christians. A lot of you in here are, are living this out currently, and I commend you for that. When you possess the attitude of Jesus, this is what happens. You experience joy. You experience breakthrough. You experience fellowship, and you see victories happen, and you see breakthrough take place. It's positive. It's life-giving. If you're here tonight, and you recognize through the, the teachings of God's word and the illustration, everything that we've done, if, you, if you're here tonight and perhaps you recognize that you've maybe been pursuing your own desires instead of God's desires for your life, maybe, maybe you're not sensing any unity around you, I would strongly encourage you to take up the mission of Jesus. Follow his model for life and you will experience a new, fresh, healthy way of living. He will bring you joy. He will bring you safety. He will bring unity around you. He will bring people in your life that can speak positivity instead of negativity. If you're here tonight and you feel like you're far from the Lord and you, and you don't have any sense of what God is, I challenge you, I encourage you, I beg you to let go of your pride, to set it to the absolute side and never look at it again and take up the mission of Jesus. Say yes to him, invite him into your life, follow him for the rest of your days. And just like a majority of the students in this room, you will experience breakthrough. You will experience victory. Maybe a lot of you tonight have not experienced victory growing up. You've grown up in a very hard home. You haven't had a, a parent or a mother or a father figure. You haven't had any, any positive, you, positive you, that's another hard word, positivity. You haven't had it around you. But I promise you, if you give your life to Jesus instead of yourself, you will experience positivity. You will experience comfort. You will experience the love of your true heavenly father. So if that's you tonight and you're struggling and you say, Spencer, I don't have any sense of unity around me. It might be time, and I'm up here with you. All of us should be doing a heart check and saying, is there any pride in me? 
Is there, is there any selfishness in me? God, am I looking out for others? We should all take that check. But specifically, if you're, if you're here and you're saying to yourself, I, I don't know where I'm at, I'd encourage you to ask those questions, to allow God to survey your life and to get rid of any selfishness in you, to get rid of any pride in you. All of us need a church community. I believe so strongly that a church, a faith community is imperative for a healthy Christian life. It's imperative. There's a lot of arguments where people would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I, I believe in God, but I don't need to go to church. That's just an extra thing that I don't need. I would completely disagree. A healthy faith community is imperative for a relationship with Jesus. A youth group like this is imperative if you are a teenager. If you want to succeed, if you want to continue in healthy relationship with the Lord, you need to bring other people around you that are doing the same thing. Do you know how much easier it is how much easier it is to fulfill the Christian life, to fulfill the Great Commission when you do it with other people that are like-minded. All of you tonight that are in this room and you're living this out, you're living out the teachings of Paul, you would agree, you would say, Spencer, it's way easier. I have 30 people that are backing me up. I have 30 people that are coming around me when it gets hard. I, I have 30 people that are holding me accountable. I couldn't do this by my own. I couldn't do, do life on this earth by myself. I need a relationship with Jesus and other people that are doing the same thing. A faith community, a youth group community is imperative for relationship with Jesus because you have people that are building you up. Don't be on an island by yourself. I was like that for some time. I grew up in church, strong relationship with Jesus for, for my whole life, but there was a moment, a season in my life where I thought I could do it by myself, and I'm telling you now that it's not possible. You need other Christians around you, strong, godly influences, mentors, parents, other Christian parents that aren't your own, other Christian students that aren't your brothers and sisters, you need them in your life to succeed. You need them, you must have them. So take this as a challenge tonight, all of you, wherever you are at in your involvement in this youth group, wherever you're at, whether you're, this is your first time here, whether you're serving, whether you're on the worship team, wherever you are at, I challenge you to take another step forward, to be more involved. Some of you have been here your whole life and you're trying to decide if this is still the place you wanna be. You come here because you're supposed to, but it's not serious, it's not the desire of your heart. I know it's true, I know a lot of you. I'm glad you're here, but I challenge you tonight to take the next step of faith, to take the next step of involvement, because I promise you, this season of your life will only last so long. And I wish I would have taken advantage of my middle school and high school years and made a difference for the kingdom. So wherever you're at, I challenge you to unify with the people around you, to, to collaborate, to, to work as a team to fulfill the Great Commission. You're not gonna fulfill it by yourself. Otherwise, Jesus would have told one person to do it. He told his disciples to, to do these things and then to tell the other disciples that they make to do the same things. It's a pattern. It must take place in all of us, all of us, not just one. Together, we must unify and unite and constantly strive to complete the mission of Jesus together. And I'm here to tell you tonight, this is encouraging to me, and I hope it is for you as well. When we unite, catch how I said when, not if. When we unite as we already are, when we continue to unite, unite around the body of Christ and the mission of Jesus, when we do that, we will see the city of Salem one for Jesus. 
When we unite, we will see the lost become found. When we unite, we will see your hurting friends meet Jesus. When we unite, we will experience revival in young people of Oregon. When we unite as a youth group, sexual identity crisis will be gone. When we unite as a youth group, you will see an entire generation changed for Jesus. Let it start here. Let, be, let this place, let Peace of Youth be the place where a fire was lit inside all of us, that we took it personal, the people that didn't know Jesus. When we experienced a weight, a heaviness for the people that we see every single day that don't know who Jesus is, let this be the place where you feel that burden to go and to reach the lost and to live your entire life devoted to the mission of Jesus, having every single person know who he is. Let this be the place because I promise you, I promise, I promise, I promise, when we unite, your generation will forever be changed. And a lot of you come to me and say, Spencer, I have no idea how we got here. I don't know why my generation looks the way it does. Why are all the people around me struggling? Why are all the people around me addicted to porn? Why are all the people around me struggling with their sexual identity? Why are all the people around me longing for something they don't even know exists? Spencer, how did we get here? I'm here to tell you tonight that the answer is you. To solve that issue, to solve that problem, the answer is standing, sitting before me. I can do all I can. Pastor Kira can do all she can. Haley, Corey, all of the leaders can do all they can to help this problem, to help a generation that's headed to disaster, but ultimately it lands on you. I'm not at your school every single day. I know it's summertime, but you're still in contact with your friends. I don't have the influence you do. You know hundreds, if not thousands of kids I don't know. I can't lead them to Christ, but you can. If you want to see a generation changed, you have to take it personally. You have to hold yourself responsible for the people that you don't know who are not saved. Because there is two options. There's eternity with Jesus or there's hell. And maybe for some of you, that's the first time you've heard that those two places exist. But if I were you, I'd want everybody I know, myself included, to experience eternity with Jesus, not the opposite. So tonight, will you stand with me? My prayer every single day is that PCU represents and reflects the attitude of Jesus. And tonight, I strongly believe, I feel in my spirit so strongly that, that some of you tonight are going to hold and take yourselves accountable and hold yourself responsible for the ones that don't know Jesus, for the people that don't know Jesus. And you're going to continue to strive to be more like Jesus every single day. I think tonight is the night. And so we're going to Actually, before I go there, worship team, can we just bring it down a little bit? I feel really strongly in my spirit that, 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 that there's one person here, maybe a few people here, maybe five people here. I don't know the number, but there's someone here that does not know who Jesus is. And this is the first time you've heard him, about him, what he is, how he loves, how he encourages there's someone here tonight that does not have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've known him before and you've walked away and you've done your own thing for a little bit. Maybe this is the first time you've heard who he is. But you've, you've sat here and you've listened to, to, to God's word be preached. And you've heard the truth that's God's word. And you feel strongly in your spirit that the only way for survival and the only way to live healthy and the only way to succeed is through Jesus. 
I want to give you an opportunity tonight to make a decision for him. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, this is a family moment. This is not look at your neighbor. This is not distract the person next to you. This is a real moment and a pivotal moment in somebody's life. A pivotal moment in somebody's life. I know a lot of you here have made this decision. While we're in this moment, think about how impactful that moment was for you. That same thing is going to happen to somebody right now. So if that's you and you know that you know that you know that you need relationship with Jesus, you don't really know what it looks like yet, but you know that you need him and you want relationship with him, I want you to look up at me and raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. It's dark. Keep your hand up. I see your hand. Maybe you've walked away, you're far from him, you've known him before, you've had a relationship with him and you want to recommit your life. For the sake of heaven, for the sake of eternity, raise your hand. I see your hand. I want to pray with you. Everyone around here wants to pray with you. If that was you and you, and you lifted your hand, I want you to pray. We're all going to pray together, but I want you to pray this prayer specifically in your heart. Say, dear Jesus, God, I know that I'm far from you. God, I know that I'm lost without you. Say this, this prayer, mean it in your heart and say, God, I devote my life to following you. I believe you are the son of God, Jesus. I will follow you for the rest of my days. I was prideful. I thought I knew everything, but God, I know you are everything. Be with me forever. That was a real life moment a pivotal moment, a life-changing moment for a few students in here. And I think that deserves the biggest hand clap of praise that we have. To stay caught up with everything happening with PC Youth, check us out on Instagram at peopleschurchyouth or go to peopleschurch.com. 